And then I realized, why don't I just cut out the first four weeks of the program and just do as kind of more simplified two week investing boot camp that just focuses on investing. And it's just targeted to people who don't need to learn about debt repayment, they don't need to learn about savings, because they already know all that stuff. It's the people who are at the next phase who have maybe like $10,000 or $30,000 or whatever, sitting in a savings account that could be better optimized. So then I was like, okay, I can create this really quickly because I already have most of it. And it's just kind of repackaging to a new target audience. And so that's what I banged out in a day being stuck in a hotel in Iceland. What's good, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into episode 61 of Highly Invested, where we invest in ourselves, talk about personal growth, and we ask entrepreneurs and high performers about the best investments they've made in themselves that help get them to where they are today. And before we start this episode, I need to plug my new YouTube series, Reality Check Cannabis in 2020. It's an eight-episode edutainment series on the cannabis plant and the new budding cannabis industry in general. It's a little passion project of mine and my effort to help eliminate the negative stigma created over the years by the failed war on drugs that wrongfully associated the most versatile plant on the planet with crime and violence as an excuse to arrest minorities to fill the prison system. Since the natural progression of time has led us to rediscover its medicinal benefits and created a recreational industry that started in Canada with the U.S. next in line, the best time to consider investing is now. So tune into my YouTube channel at Make More Capital or search Reality Check Cannabis in 2020 to learn about the top U.S. and Canadian cannabis companies right now so you can pick the front runner to invest in and cash in on the upcoming Green Rush. Hey everybody, so today on the show we've got the entrepreneur and money coach helping ambitious adults navigate their finances during these unprecedented times. We first chatted with Liz on episode 12 around a year ago after she bought her first rental property, and since then she's been scaling up her investing boot camps while helping clients start side hustles despite COVID. So we're going to find out how entrepreneurs can monetize and bring their business online so you can start landing clients regardless of the size of your community. So everyone welcome Liz Enriquez on Liz Enriquez on the show. How are you doing today, Liz? I'm great. It's a beautiful day here in Hamilton, Ontario, and I'm happy about that. Is it? It's pissing rain here today in Ottawa, so you uh, got the better end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, how was your how was your Thanksgiving, Liz? It was good. We um we had a very unconventional Thanksgiving. We had Thanksgiving tacos and Thanksgiving oh, Mexican food because I'm Mexican and none of us really. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, but no one else really likes turkey. So we're <laughs> like, why don't we just do the food that we like? So that's what we did, and it was awesome. That's a great trade-off. And I actually, I've stopped eating meat this year. So it's one of those things where I'm like, you know what? Turkey is just not that appealing. You know, your tastes change. (laughs) That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, I I mean, I was a vegetarian since I was like 13. So holidays are, I've always used to, I always just used to eat like sides until I learned how to cook. But I would just eat like scalloped potatoes and like a random salad. And yeah, it was, it was interesting. Well, whatever's on the table, you can definitely you know get by with what's there I imagine but like I it's just for me for preference I I tried the whole meat plant-based thing and I felt much better I didn't get all these pains or inflammation what felt like inflammation kind of in the body so like it's cheaper to cook easier it is yeah 
yeah, I'm always excited when people like come over to the dark side. I'm like, amazing. Like, enjoy. Let me know if you want recipes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's good to ask around because that's a great way, I think, to get some ideas. Otherwise, it's like I'm typically always eating vegetarian and I typically use lentils or beans. But then let's say a family dinner, I go home and my mom classic is just making tons of meat. Oh, yeah. So I mean, like I sacrifice and I switch over to the dark side for one of those meals, but you just feel it so much afterwards. Like your body is just like, what have you done to me? It's hard to go back. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so like with the second wave of COVID and all, how's the vibe in Hamilton? You guys doing all right over there? I'm doing pretty well. I think most people are doing well, but we have had a few outbreaks. Just one business had like 50 cases. Um Damn. Yeah, it was like a gym. So I I took quarantine very seriously and I became a full hermit. Good. Like I'm like, I'm not leaving my house. <laughs> I work from home anyways. So I was going out like once a week. And I think I'm just going to survive this. Like I feel sometimes like Will Smith and I am legend. Like if everybody else, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get too dark, but I just feel like I'm like, I'm really taking this seriously. So I will make it out of this thriving and surviving. Well, and when you do take it seriously for this temporary period, like regardless if it feels long, it's really not going to be long compared to, you know, the good times it's going to come after. And I think that's that's the right way to do it because I'm also, well, you know, it's nice to have your a partner as well, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends, so thankfully I'm doing okay, but it's like I, I have saved so much money by staying home and really not trying to get back out to do things and switching up those routines. So how how have you switched up some routines in some ways that have been beneficial to you? I, I honestly don't think I've changed that much except I'm not going out as much because I've been working from home for like two years, maybe three now, I think two. And it did not change that much for me at all. Um, my partner is still going into work. He manages a painting company and they were allowed to continue pretty much as is. So, I mean, we're not going out as much and I'm not seeing my friends as much. But other than that, it hasn't changed too much. Good. Yeah. Thank goodness for Zoom and FaceTime. Really, it's amazing yeah and we're not traveling anymore so we travel often and we actually were in italy um in venice in march i was gonna say you guys beat yeah you guys beat it yeah we were one of the last ones who were vacationing in 2020 and then it got totally shut down and i was like okay i guess we won't be going on any more trips this year wild it is depressing to think forward like that i mean at least for the next little bit but what were some of those highlights of your trip to italy and uh you went to iceland as well right Yeah, we did Italy and Iceland. Uh, It was honestly so incredible. I mean, one of the highlights was that it was considered a work trip for my partner. Um, So it was pretty much all expenses paid. And I'm not used to that because I'm used to paying for everything myself. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not staying in a dodgy hostel. Like I know you've traveled a lot and I've traveled a lot. And I think a lot of people think that we're constantly staying in like beautiful places. But the reality is like for me to be able to go to over 20 countries is because I was like staying in hostels, couch surfing, hitchhiking, taking overnight buses. And I don't know how to travel luxuriously. (laughs) Yeah, I know. This trip, I was not like that at all. It was super lux and I was like I can't relate like I don't know what I'm like oh I don't have to like make a sandwich for my lunch using the buffet breakfast stuff from the hostel I'm like (laughs) and bring like a takeaway or Tupperware container I'm like I don't need to stash some snacks away from like the hostel um (laughs) so it was really really awesome to finally make it (laughs) I made it good 
Oh, I can imagine. And it's it's just a nice switch because it's you bring that kind of uh, bootstrapping hustler, I guess, to the to the party. And then your your partner brings that other like, OK, don't worry, we can try like, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's good. And I think that will always be a part of me. Like after traveling, bootstrapping for so long, like it's hard to not look for deals and like ways to be efficient. Yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, it, once you've done it a while, or once you've done it for quite some time, you, you get good at it. So it's fun. But I guess as you make more money, or you can extend these, you, you can extend your abilities, you try to capitalize on that. But mm-hmm. um, either way, amazing that you got to do that. But like, right, that's, I guess, the benefit of not waiting for things to happen. And just, well, we went on vacation, we came back, and now we're stuck inside for a year. Yeah. And also part of, um, I we got snowed in in Iceland, there was this wild storm. And Everyone was freaking out. Well, like the tourists because they were missing their flights and stuff. Right, okay. We were stuck in the hotel for, I think, like eight hours. 100%, like the windows were blacked out with snow. Wow. And that's when I developed my investing boot camp because I'm like, well, whatever. I have my laptop here and I can't do anything. So I've been thinking about running an investing boot camp, but I really was forced to hunker down and work on it. Amazing. um, When I was stuck in Iceland. So you always have to kind of look for the positives in quote unquote negative situations. And absolutely. Well, thanks for connecting those dots. Cause yeah, I mean, I didn't even really think to ask. I thought the investing bootcamp might've been something that you'd had been going and I know you'd done different sorts of coaching and and testing variations, but that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So do you mind sharing a bit of the process on how you ended up putting that together and what was involved? Yeah, so I had been running my money mentorship program, which is a six-week online course. Okay, so that's the one I'd seen before. Yeah, I guess. Okay. and it's been going really well. So I was I started that in 2019, and really that one helps people from the beginning. So it's really about saving, organizing your accounts, managing your finances to prepare you to start investing. And I was seeing that some people were reaching out to me, and they're like, oh, I'm actually really good at saving and I have a really good system, I just want the investing part. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, we do that on the last week of the money mentorship program. And I was kind of turning people away who wouldn't have been good fits for the money mentorship program. Right. And then I realized, why don't I just cut out the first four weeks of the program and just do a kind of more simplified two-week investing boot camp that just focuses on investing. And it's just targeted to people who don't need to learn about debt repayment. They don't need to learn about savings because they already know all that stuff. It's the people who are at the next phase who have maybe like $10,000 or $30,000 or whatever sitting in a savings account that could be better optimized. So then I was like, okay, I can create this really quickly because I already have most of it. And it's just kind of repackaging to a new target audience. And so that's what I banged out in a day being stuck in a hotel in Iceland. Amazing how quickly that just kind of happened. And, you know, it didn't involve three months of kind of, you know, tweaking little things and putting it together. It was all right there from stuff you'd already done. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like ignoring all the negative energy because we're all trapped. And <laughs> yeah. And well, like, it's like you go on vacation and you make a plan, right? And imagine when you're on vacation, but then your plan gets frazzled. It's like, oh my God. And you, and you really are stuck. Like the cars were completely covered in snow. And I'm like, honestly, you're not getting out of here. Like go have fun trying to shovel yourself out, but just hunker down, 
be happy we're warm there was snacks provided and try to do something productive if you can <laughs> that's why you bring books on vacation i guess just in case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so on that note then what is your kind of mindset towards focusing on things you can control and focus and not focusing on things you can't control is there any kind of go-to little piece of advice that you have in your head that you turn to i think i'm still learning that skill yeah because I used to be really anxious and get overwhelmed really easily and constantly think of all the worst case scenarios and what really helps me is just remembering all the things I've been able to do and overcome and just remind myself like you can do it like you're a badass (laughs) you've done this you've done this you've done this like why do you keep doubting yourself so just kind of reminding yourself of all of your accomplishments I think helps you move forward to push yourself a little bit more and reassures yourself like, well, I did this on my own and I can do this again. Or, you know, just remind yourself that you've been successful in other things. So just trust that you can do it again. Good call. That's beautiful advice, especially to yourself. Like you got to be, everyone has to be kind to themselves and remember that. And um, that, that that's, that's a great way to put it just because from what I've learned too, trying that is it seems as if throughout this year, especially I've been practicing to, to be nice to myself in that sense. And it's, it has helped reduce those thoughts that seep in of like, you know, the imposter syndrome. What are you trying to tell people how to manage their money and stuff? So mm-hmm. um, I guess it's just practice, right? And sticking to it. Right. Um, and well, so Liz, you've been on fire this year. So what are you most proud of so far? Thanks. I'm I'm proud of running a successful business during a pandemic. I had no idea how this was going to affect me and other people either so I was like I don't know if this is gonna work but it did yeah no that, that's that's huge and like so do you mind sharing how did you feel about I mean obviously the uncertainty in March was was overhyped no one knew what was happening but no one knew how serious this was and do you mind putting us kind of in your shoes then and what your thought process was and, and then versus now having done it all mm-hmm. I was initially quite calm because I think that we got kind of a lucky break by being in Europe when it was happening so I could kind of see how things were going to unfold and then when we came to Canada we were ahead of the game so I'm like okay people are quarantining things are shutting down and we were the first to kind of quarantine amongst our circles because we had been out of the country and I remember people telling me like don't you think that's overreacting like isn't that overkill and I canceled two events And people were like, that's a little bit over the top. Like, who cares if you were in Italy? And we were just too early. And then literally two weeks after we finished our quarantine, it was like a forced quarantine for everyone. So I felt really kind of prepared. Like I had a crystal ball. I could see that this was going to happen. And I'm like, this is what I've been telling you guys. Like, we were just in Europe like it's moving over here did you feel crazy though for a period of time like people were trying to tell you like Liz what are you doing you're like no no look just trust me this might come like like I witnessed this and now I felt like one of those like annoying over-prepared soccer moms who like has like the hand sanitizer and all the snacks and everything in their purse but I'm just like I swear that this is like the way to do it like so part of that I feel like prepared me for okay, how are how are businesses gonna change and how like what's gonna happen when things shut down? So I was kind of already thinking Smart. about that. And then you already had the online presence too, so it's kind of just like focusing on that. Yeah, it was like, okay, just keep your online presence. Like I was devastated because I knew 
that small businesses were going to be completely right. affected. And I was just like feeling this impending <laughs> doom. I'm like, I feel like I should go and tell more people like what's about. To but then come, you're also not but... sure. You're like, it's not here yet, but I think I know. Oh, it's so it's like, it's like investing in yeah, a way, right? It like... was a weird time. It was. Yeah, I'm like, let me just like, I, I reviewed my finances. Yeah. Um, my partner, David and I like sat down cause we're like, okay, we got to make sure like everything's under control and everything, you know, is going to be fine. And we have our emergency funds. So I wasn't worried about our finances, but I was honestly more worried about other people. Like I kept thinking about like my followers, my clients, my friends, and like how everyone else's lives were just going to be so affected. Yeah. I was like, I really hope that everyone like comes out of this. Okay. Yeah. No good on you. Cause I mean, I, I think that's what a lot of people were, were deep down hoping, but you feel hopeless cause there's nothing you can really do when you're supposed to mm-hmm. stay home and just stay home. Like, it's it's so funny when you just think back, like, imagine someone told you to stay home for a week. Yeah. Like, no, why would I do that? It's like, well, it can save many, many lives and it proves it. Yeah. Right? So, um, and I wanted to ask on that topic, like, because it was such a sensitive time and it's so much of it was financial related, were you worried that you might not get the sort of feedback or like not the feedback, but the turnaround, like people might not want to be spending any money because of what happened to the economy in March, things like that. Was that on your mind? Yeah, I felt really weird promoting anything and I held off on, I was going to launch another program and I completely kiboshed that because I'm like, I do not think this is the right time to be promoting. And I was also really overwhelmed. Like I was managing social, well, I was doing marketing campaigns for small businesses as well because that's my first business. And I was just like, Every single day, it was a new update from the government about like what you can do, what you can't do. And it was just so tumultuous. And I feel like then the Black Lives Matter movement right. happened yeah. right after that. And then I was also like, okay, I don't want to um, interrupt the movement and the messaging. So I also don't want to come with right. any of my own messages. So there was a bit of a hiatus for my business for like two to three months. Um but I was just listening and watching Important, and just yeah. not doing my own things. And then when I felt like it was appropriate, I came in full force because I'm like, okay, I've been like, you yeah. know, waiting in Fire the sidelines. The yeah. yeah. Conserve um, that energy and just let it, let it go when you're ready. Nice. Yeah. And um, then, so that was like in the summer when I don't really like working in the summer too much because I'd rather be outside and not on the screen. But right. August was like my best month in business. Um, and April and March were actually really good too. Even though we were in the middle of the pandemic, I was helping people learn how to invest because that was such an interesting time in the stock market. And people were coming to me like, should I buy now? Should I buy now? Should I buy now? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm Probably. like, yeah, do you have an emergency fund? Do you have your, do you know your risk tolerance? Like all the stuff that you need to kind of, have an order. And that was the perfect time for people in the investing boot camp because yeah. they're the people who have their finances in order who now wanted to learn how to invest. And so I, I was only going to run it once, but it sold out. So I had to run it three times in like two and a half months. So it was Great good. You did. And, and it's just funny because in theory, when you, in, when you should invest is exactly in March, right? When the market drops, you just buy in, you don't think about it and you wait for it to rise back up. It's just- yeah, those students, like I check up on all of them and the ones who started in March are doing well because 
you because the market's default, done well. Yeah, yeah, by default, if you invested in March, like we're pretty much back up, unless yeah. you picked like some horrible performing stock. Right. But most of them pick, you know, general ETFs because they're beginners and they're just starting off. And and I also just give them the push, like all of them are in the position that they wanted to start investing, but they just didn't know how and they weren't confident and they were scared. And right. the whole point of the investing boot camp is to give them the tools that they need to then just be like, now do it. Like, I want you to tell me and show me that you actually took action because you invested yeah, right. in this course to learn so that you could avoid analysis paralysis and, and take action. Yeah, that's the whole point. Exactly. And so let's, let's dive in then for any entrepreneurs or people that would want to start their own brand and move their business online. What are some of the like biggest obstacles or hurdles that might come with like analysis paralysis that you mentioned that whether it's with investing or starting with a business, basically just how do you get over some of these small hurdles and are there any systems you've, you've set up or learned to put in place that, that help with that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing people do, I don't want to say wrong, but they do it wrong is wait until they have a, a huge following. Like you right. do not need a huge following to run a business. It helps. It definitely helps. But if I was waiting until I had 10,000 followers, I would still be waiting and right, right. still be not making money. So I started my brand ambitious adulting in technically 2018, but I didn't monetize till 2019. And yeah, I sold out, like I sold my first uh, event. I think I had like 800 followers, but you know, it was an event for 30, the capacity was 30 people. I only needed 30 out of those 800 followers to come to this event. And then I started growing my following and also growing my programs. And so I work one-on-one with my clients or small group coaching. So I only need like five people or 10 people per cohort um, to run. And that's really all you can manage as well as a single person. And I like this connection. Like eventually when Mm. I get to maybe 10,000 followers or more, I'll have way more automated systems that are um, self, like 100% self-paced programs. But for now, like I like this kind of boutique experience and connecting with my clients and my customers and my followers. So I honestly think that that gives me kind of a different advantage than just generically putting out like a course um, that people aren't always self-motivated to do on their own. Yeah. Like sometimes they need me to be like, Hey, I've seen you haven't watched the video. (laughs) Right. Hello, I'm watching you. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I guess it's also, it's just like, it's by customizing it and making it unique, like they're getting lives that that's where they, they can't get this anywhere else. Right. And I think that's probably the, one of the advantages of kind of this whole transition to things online is that you can show your personality and people will appeal to that and be drawn to it. Yeah. And I also, I had a fully automated course. So my money mentorship the first year was 100% self-paced and automated, but I just felt like I didn't connect with the graduates as much and I wasn't Mm -hmm. really sure of their progress. And so this year I changed it to be a combination of automated plus three calls with me. And I just feel a lot more, um, I, I just feel a lot better about that whole situation. And I feel like my clients feel better and they get way more value out of it than just watching videos on their own. Yeah, no, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's good to walk through them and, and be be up to date because 
if, if I look at this past year, I did, when I was in Mexico, actually, I kind of started putting together an investing course, uh, which I put out in March and it's been there. I've put it for free online. It was more, it's more again, just a learning experience. But um, what I'm realizing now is just a lot of it was like, I, I tried to leave it there to let it work on its own. It doesn't necessarily work that well, right? You do have to keep up. And when you notice that someone's popped in and actually entered their email, you want to send them an email after like, Hey, thank you so much. And uh, like it just it's a lot of effort if it's not um, organized to a T with the, with these systems and whatnot. And then like the coaching program, I I'd created that in the same kind of way where I used the investing course material to to add four weeks of in person training. Um, and I mean it's there again, but at the same time I just think you know maybe I've done all the pieces and it's it's just eventually connecting them all and finding a way to make it work. So. Uh, do you mind sharing, are there any tools that you recommend entrepreneurs use to convert any leads into sales more effectively? Tools for conversion. Um, I'm always playing around with different tools. And every time I launch a program, I kind of do a whole new system to try things out. So mm-hmm. right now, um, I'm trying out having people fill out Google Forms. So that I get to know people a little bit better before they officially apply. Right. Because I was also finding it's really important for you to know the specific clients that are doing, if you're doing programs, for example, because for example, my programs don't really go into that much detail about debt repayment. So if someone's like, oh, I really want to work with Liz because I love what she posts and then they sign up. And then they realize, oh, this is really about like how to manage your money, how to organize it, how to start investing and how to optimize your accounts. They're like, where's the part about debt? Like we cover that very briefly. Right. right. And they're disappointed because they're they're not getting what they wanted and they're not necessarily getting what they need. And so I'm really working on finding like that perfect client for my programs versus just trying to think I can help everybody. That's a good point. Um, I imagine that's probably where a lot of people and I've gotten stuck before. And then, so with with that in mind, like, do you create any buyer personas before you, you create material for that persona? Or is that just something that you just kind of pay attention to as you go and you put it together? I do. I have ideal client documents where I like write down my ideal clients. And a lot of times I, I format those based on my existing clients that did really well and that did all the assignments and reached out to me and give me feedback and wrote a great testimonial. I'm like, perfect. Testimonials like, must be huge. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you are the perfect client. Like, how can I find more people like you? And really it's because I want to make sure that my programs and services are going to the right people because that's who it's made for. Yeah. Yeah. And no, for, good point. Yeah. I mean, and for, um, for people who are trying to pay off debt, I, cause I was like, I really, really want to help people of all walks of life, but I didn't want to charge people who couldn't afford my services. So that's right. why I have tons of free service or tons of free products online. I give out my spreadsheets. I give out free guides. I do tons of free webinars and workshops. Um, because I'm like, I do want to help everybody, but the people who want to invest their time and energy and money will get way more from yeah. me. It'll be right and exactly like a perfect fit for them. Okay. And then, so um, for you, like what is our marketing and sale? Well, obviously marketing and sales are two different things, but so how do you ensure that you kind of keep those separated and you don't try to sell to people that 
are ready to be sold to yet, or you know, you can follow up on people that you think would be interested in your service. Yeah, I mean, it's super connected. So I review my sales and I've had launches that didn't pan out. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck? It's the same program that sold out last month. So I'm like, is it the timing? Is it my messaging? Like what was going on there? Right. Why didn't the marketing work and lead to conversions? And I'll like let it simmer for a bit and then just be like, whatever, let me just try something different. Because sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to try something completely new and it doesn't work. So right. I let myself kind of sit in that failure for a bit. And then I, I do it again, like with, with a different approach. So marketing is constantly evolving and especially with like all these new freaking platforms, I got on TikTok and I didn't realize like, wow, this is actually really effective. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work because it's all for young kids, but then everyone was quarantined and then had to find things to do and so everyone all millennials joined tiktok and i was like oh okay hi and we've had a lot of fun with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have so you know and we, we pretty much were doing it at the same time like i was like yeah. i don't know what the heck this is like i felt like such a boomer i'm like what the heck is going on like how do i i didn't know what the kids were saying but anyways it's about adapting so i'm like okay this mar- this is a new marketing tool not new i mean it's been around but new for me right and yeah. i used it and it has led to sales. So it's really about kind of always being open to new and creative approaches. Right. That's a good point. And then um, I guess maybe because, yeah, that that's where I struggle is I don't like to ask people to pay money <laughs> for my services, but that's the next step as, you know, someone trying to start their own business or be an entrepreneur. So just do you have any advice on that, on getting over that hump or organizing it and presenting it in a way that has worked for you? Yeah, I think what helps me is having a ton of free stuff, which I know you do as well. So my guilt was like, I want to help people who are struggling with money, but I know they can't afford my services. And that really held me back. And that's why I'm like, why don't I just give everything I can for free to a point um, that can help them and also direct people to free services. So if someone's like, oh, I really want to work with you, but it's not in my budget. I'm like, okay, well, let's stay in touch. But in the meantime, like, let me know what you need help with. And then I'll send them a bunch of resources for their own kind of self-learning. Because really, it's like finding you the resources. Like, I know where to look. So it's going to take me five seconds. I'll just save you like four hours so that you don't have to end up on like, first of all, you'll probably end up on an American site. And then you'll end up on an American blog. And then you'll end up like somewhere about your Roth IRI. And then you'll realize, (laughs) wow, this isn't applicable. And then you'll end up. You know, so I'm like, and let it'll me just be tell so much you. bigger than when you started. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have any problems like sending people links and stuff. And then it's realizing that there are people who kind of just want the answers. And the way I always think about my sales is going to a gym and fitness. Like there's right. people who don't want to pay to go to a gym. And that's fine. You can Google it, you can watch a YouTube video, you can you know, read a book on how to lose 10 pounds. You could also go to a gym. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or you could pay for a personal trainer. And I had a trainer because I needed that accountability. Like I did not ever drag my butt to the gym. I had zero desire to go to the gym. But having one person watch me via Zoom and be like, where are you? Like it's 830. It's time for our workout. (laughs) Um, And, you know, so 
Some people just need like that one one to one accountability, even though I can 100% Google how to work out on my own, I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to YouTube it. And I'm not going to follow a tutorial. I need someone watching me and shaming me and like guiding me (laughs) to work out. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know what, I I should be an accountability coach. I think that might be a good fit for me just because with the money, but I can also, I mean, I, I just I stay in good shape myself. So that's something where I could actually just add on. It's like every morning I'll wake you up with an ab workout, force you to. That's what I need. <laughs> yeah. So well, think about I just think about, yeah, just well. think about like fitness. Cause people are like, oh, can't you find this online? I'm like, of course you can. You can find anything online. True. And the yeah. same with working out and nutrition. You could find recipes online, but yet I still eat out all the time. So I guess people are always trying to pay for more time, right? Or like more quality time for themselves. So. Mm-hmm. Um, good. And then is there any other tips for people that want to monetize uh, just that we haven't covered so far that you want to add or that you thought of? Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to monetize. So I make money through my brand ambitious adulting, a few different ways, like courses is just one of them. I have affiliate links as well with my corporate partners and brand partners. I also do sponsored posts. And yeah, like sponsored content. What else? I feel like I do a bunch of other random stuff too. So lately I've been getting people reaching out for me to do sponsored TikToks. I was like, interesting. okay, they're like 15 second videos. From like brands um, or companies? Yeah. Yeah. From oh. brands and companies. So I have a few in the pipeline that are already made that are going to be going out okay. soon. And then I, I don't just say yes to everything. Like I usually use the brand or have tried it or, right, right. you know, I want to make sure that it's going to be a good fit and that it's not like some sketchy thing yeah um, and it just like just because you can make a bit of money you don't want it to taint your audience or at least yeah give the wrong look towards you so yeah and I think I've also reached this point which I'm really grateful for to be able to say no to things I mean I don't need to mm-hmm. do it for the money I do it because I, I think it's actually going to be a good program or like a good fit for my clients or the people who follow me I'm like oh yeah this is a new app that's up and coming yeah sure like let's promote it so people learn about it Right. And so, yeah, do you mind sharing what's your thought process? So let's say you do get approached by a brand that you want to work with. So just for anyone that might not be business minded or oriented as much, what, so when you get that message, what's your first thought? And then, so how do you go about deciding whether or not you're going to work with someone or one Yeah. I mean, I do research on them to make sure, okay, like, are they Canadian? Cause I usually just tell them, by the way, my audience need more. is yeah. mostly Canadian. So sometimes that weeds people out. I don't mind working with American brands. But mm-hmm. I'm always up front. By the way, most of my followers are Canadian. So you can decide what to do with that. Like, right. the other thing, and it, this is really, really important for new business owners, is to always ask for a budget. I just get straight to the point now. Like, what's your budget for this? Because if they want me to do it for free, no, I'm not doing it for free. If they're, if it's, you know, and most of the time, I don't have like a really strict number like if they're like oh my budget's a hundred dollars for this 15 second video i'm like okay sounds cool if they're like it's three hundred dollars for this okay sounds cool like i'm pretty flexible after a certain amount if they're like it's ten dollars i'd be like no sorry like my time is worth more than that but you know it's pretty flexible i don't know if brands are gonna listen they're like oh just lowball her but for now i don't have a super set number as i'm still kind of navigating it um, and then right. also it depends on the brand. Like if they're an up and coming startup, 
like shoestringing it to just try to get their name out, I'll probably be a little bit more flexible. If it's a big bank right. that has multiple branches and, you know, millions and millions of dollars, I do not feel bad when I give them a certain price. So, yeah, that's fair. And, and at the end of the day, all these prices you've probably thought of and they just, you know, it's either convenient for you or it's not makes it, it just makes the decision part seamless and, and fast. Yeah. I think another thing that helps just kind of in the mi- business mindset is to give yourself kind of an hourly rate. So almost for anything I do, I try to keep it between like 70 to $90 an hour. Like that's kind of how I think about my time based on right. the work that I do. I'm like, I won't do anything for less than usually it's like, I won't do anything for less than a hundred dollars. So yeah. uh, for an that's hour. Good. So then if it doesn't kind of fit that general formula, that's when I start negotiating. Smart. And all oh, those negotiation skills are so valuable. It sucks. We don't really learn how to sell or anything like that in school. It's just, it's looked at as greasy and not ideal, but it's like when you grow up as a, someone getting into business, one of the best skills you can have is to know how to argue your worth. Yeah, I actually hate negotiating. I (laughs) literally, I don't even think I'm, I don't think I'm good at it. But I think the best thing is just to aim high. And then if they come down with a lower price, okay, fine. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I'm good at negotiating. So that's something I'm definitely learning. But that's something to just tell entrepreneurs, like, that's fine. You can learn a bunch of these skills as you go. Yeah. Well, I, I just think it's so valuable to know that you can bargain because I mean, in, in you know, re- bargaining is not a thing you're taught in North America either. You go to a store, you have the set price, right? If you go travel somewhere else, you can always barter, you can always negotiate. And it's just a thing that's not necessarily part of our everyday life. Um, And do you mind sharing some of the partnerships, at least that y- you're happy to be working with just for any listeners that, especially any Canadian ones that might benefit? Sure. I'm like, they better pay me for every name drop. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send them the email. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm working right now with Equivisto. They're um, a crowdfunding uh, app platform that helps people uh, invest in private businesses. And I just think that's a really cool alternative because everyone thinks about the stock market and real estate, but people don't often think about investing in private businesses. And they, this platform makes it easier for people to start with just a hundred dollars versus being like an angel investor. So that's amazing. We need platforms like that though. Cause exactly. If you want to invest in startup, where do you go? The startup. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So I'm excited and they're, they're, they're new brand. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, this is cool. I use Tangerine personally for my banking. So I'm an affiliate with them. Same with EQ bank. Um, I have my quest trade affiliate link, my wealth simple affiliate link, my RVC investees affiliate link willful plenty what else epilogue wills everything is on my website under affiliate links okay great well and how awesome is that cool it's like once you've built that brand there's so many kind of endless opportunities for you to partner with and you can incorporate all that into what you're providing to your customers and clients as well totally and also i think when brands see that you are open to partnering then they're like, oh, okay, like a new brand is more likely to approach you because it's almost like a ripple effect. You're like, okay, this woman talks about personal finances and she's partnered with Tangerine or CI Direct Investing. That name people would know too, yeah. Yeah, and then they think, okay, well, maybe she would be open to partnering with us and then they reach out. Right, okay. 
And just for anyone starting out or someone that's curious, do you recommend like, cause it's, we, we started out on Instagram and we've seen you branch into TikTok. I know you have the Facebook group that's also grown organically, which has been great. Uh, so do you recommend, is there like, is it less is more? Do you want to choose one or two platforms that you find you can work with for a few years? Or what would you recommend to people starting out in, with that approach? I do think less is more. Like I did my Instagram and Facebook group concurrently. Yeah. The Facebook group, I don't spend pretty much any time growing. It does its own thing and it's so it's its own beast. Great. Um, and it's up to like 1,300 um, group members. So I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I do wish that they had more discussion, but I think that our generation isn't really on Facebook. So yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> so it's still good to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think focus on one platform. Like if you're going to be a TikTok star, be a dang TikTok star. Like don't be spreading yourself out until you kind of think that it's easier once you grow your brand on one platform, then it's, you can feed all the other ones versus spreading yourself too thin. Yeah, I guess you just got to start testing. But I mean, I, I have found to really enjoy, I guess, Instagram and TikTok and now YouTube, actually. I'm kind of venturing into that area just because I think it's the easiest to scale. But I guess you just got to test some different things and see how it works, right? See, I find YouTube really hard. <laughs> like, I have tried it yeah. and I don't really take a lot of time editing my videos like they're not well edited and then it's I don't know I'm just not patient to watch it upload and then do the thumbnails like it's such a process but I'm amazed when people can grow it I'm like wow, yeah good for well you. It, exactly it's a whole nother beast and I've tried it out but I like the thing is I've tried my efforts have come as 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 with as little effort as possible it's like I screen capture talking about ETFs and then it's like a 20 minute video I pop it up so Right. Uh, at least I found a way that makes it easy for me to do it and I can pump them out. And then that series I've started, I've, I, I paid someone to help me with that because I don't know how to do any of that editing, but that's kind of like the next goal. <laughs> Learn how to just, you know, take, record the entire thing and then cut the clips and put it all together. But it, it requires other skills mm -hmm. and, and all that, which just takes time and all, but, um, and you have your podcast, so you're Me on a too. few different things. I am. I'm trying. And I the goal is to just bring it all together in the end, right? So it's 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 fun though. And I think that's what anyone listening should realize is just that like as long as you find something that you're passionate enough about to talk about every day for a few years, that that's where you can really build any sort of brand in any niche with the internet. So mm -hmm. Well, the other thing about sponsored posts is that sometimes people will pay me to do a post that I spend tons of time researching and I like that because I feel right. like I'm getting paid to do research on a topic and I'm like great now I know about like options trading like I didn't know about this before so right. so so they'll pay I, you to feature them but you're the one that's making the ad for them yeah there's a few different right. ways like sometimes I write an article on my on my on my website but right. sometimes they'll come to me with a list of topics for me to write for their website and I'll pick a topic that I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Let me like learn about this and write about it. And then you're motivated because you're getting compensated. Exactly. Right. So genius. And all about well, hacking. Good. Yeah, you have to. Uh, and well, on that note, I'm just curious because obviously you've had your website up for quite some time now. So do you mind just sharing how it's like what you were getting at the beginning organically versus what you are getting now, just to show how time really does play a big role of having that online presence? Yeah, I actually haven't looked at my analytics in a while. So 
I don't know the exact answer, but I mean, it's obviously yeah. grown over time. I should look at my analytics more, but yeah, well, just, it doesn't hurt. It's there. You don't need to. That's good. Or yeah. if you don't need to, it's kind of good. But I have a media kit. So when a brand reaches out, sometimes they want to know what my analytics are. And then right. I, I update it. I go into my website and I look to see. And then sometimes they don't care at all because essentially it's like my brand and my name is yeah. bringing them attention. And they see that I have really good engagement on Instagram and TikTok and my newsletter and my Facebook group. So they're like, who cares what your blog analytics are? Like, just promote us on your social media because that's what we want. And I don't yeah, think my yeah. analytics are that big. Like if someone's out there listening, they're like, oh, but I don't have a big blog. I'm like, I don't right. think mine are that. People are not searching for me for like their information. Like if she shows up, great. But they're really coming to me because I explain financial topics in like a very simplified way. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, at least it's there too and people will find you. So it's, it's a good thing to have, I imagine though. Mm-hmm. So I did want to ask, though, since last time you came on, we talked about your first rental property. So how has the real estate oh, yeah. game been for you? I've been really lucky. Like our <laughs> tenants have been great throughout the pandemic. We reached out to them at the beginning. I was like, listen, if times are tough, let us know because we'd rather be prepared if you can't make rent. Like we'd rather know so that we can prepare our finances. And also right. if you need to make a payment plan that's fine with us. Like, let's just figure this out together and keep the lines of communication open. And they're like, we really appreciate it. I was like, let me know if you need toilet paper. Like I'm happy to pick up some extras like while I'm grocery shopping. Cause at the end of the day, like this is a business, but they're human. Like these are human people and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I wanted to make sure they're okay. Yeah. And when you get into real estate, it's important for you to have a safety net because you just never know like what can happen. So I was like, okay, we can support the house for a little bit if they can't pay rent. But luckily they, they were able to pay rent and everything has been good. We actually had a a tenant turnover in October. So no, wait, September. I don't know. Recently our basement tenant moved out and new tenants moved in and it was so flawless because the upstairs tenants were friends with the people who wanted downstairs tenants or yeah anyways it all they're all friends so they were friends with the person leaving or the people coming in well they recommended us to the people coming in they're like hey like my friend is looking for a place and i was like perfect we have like 40 applicants that were ready to interview but if you have a friend who you know meets our conditions and is a decent human like we'll bump them to the front of the line and just get this all done with. And it worked out super, super well. We interviewed them. Everything was good. And I think we're just like, we'd rather have friends living together than, you know, the dynamics of a top floor tenant and a bottom floor basement floor tenant. So we're like, I think this will just be easier. So it's only been like a month or two and the move out was flawless. Our past tenant was so great. And he was like helping the new tenants move in and I was in there cleaning and they're like, Oh, don't worry about it. Just leave it. Like we'll do it. And I'm like, okay, good vibes. I think like when you are a good, decent human, yeah. people reciprocate that. that. That's amazing. It's so true. You give what you take or you give what you get, what you give. And it's, um, and, and like, I guess if your friends, if those friends want to keep that dynamic of living upstairs, having their friends downstairs, they just got to pay rent. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, okay. 
have fun. Like they're like, you won't hear about like, if we have any problems, like we'll deal with it ourselves. You'll never hear from us. And I'm like, okay, great. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, that's what you got to hope for. And, you know, despite everything that's been flipped upside down this year, you've been able to escape that with, with barely any, uh, any bad side effects. So that's great. Now, has your preference changed at all for real estate investing versus the stock market now since companies like Zoom have made it look pretty easy? Yeah, and I actually bought Zoom at the beginning of March. So I am loving life right now. (laughs) But it's such a different beast. It is, eh? Our AC broke at the rental property. I've had a leaky shower for multiple months now and dodgy contractors. Mm. Like real estate is definitely way more work yeah but it kind of comes in spurts like we'll go months and weeks with everything fine and nothing is wrong and then it kind of piles on and it's really expensive to maintain so replacing an ac is expensive replacing a shower is expensive you don't have that with real estate or sorry with the stock market you know it's it's a little bit more i don't know i guess gradual it's not as it's just a different it's a different beat. Completely. Yeah, you're yeah. fixing it constantly. You're you're molding it, but then through that, I imagine you're learning how to deal with tenants better in the future, or how to cut costs on different repairs in the future, kind of thing. Like like you'll just learn more as you go. I imagine. Yeah, and the returns have been. This is, I think, it's so different emotionally, and right. that's a really big component of investing. So is and- that because of the debt kind of required with it? No, I'm like way over that. The, the number yeah, yeah, you've gotten past. Yeah, it. the debt, and it's like okay, I owe half a million dollars to my of my mortgages to the bank. Like that doesn't phase me anymore. Before Good. I'd be like, oh my god, I'm like holding on to so much debt from the real estate. Yeah. But I'm over that. It's more about the the real life implications and the human interactions and dynamics in real estate. Versus completely like robotic and removed from Wall Street in the stock market and from businesses in the economy. So I don't know. I'm still, I'm happy with my portfolio mix. 70% of my, um, of my net worth is in real estate just because it's so expensive for the down payments. And we put a lot, put a lot down. Um, And then only 30% of my portfolio is actually in the stock market. Um, so good learning curve at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that point that you touched on because I think that what I'm realizing too, is as I'm trying to move from an employee who manages, you know, time and whatnot, once you become an entrepreneur or a business owner, it's, it's more investing or not man investing, sorry, but managing humans. Yeah. And in order to manage humans effectively, you have to yourself be a good caring human. Otherwise, you're going to manage them to hate you, right? Or manage to make them hate you. So Yeah, I think we picked really great tenants and I'm all about vibes and energy. I'm like, okay, yeah, they give, they give me good vibes. <laughs> then, yeah. Because even, even if someone can't pay rent, which we're prepared for, I would mm-hmm. rather have someone be kind of empathetic about it. Like, sorry about this. Like, I'm working hard versus like, screw you, eat the rich. I'm not paying my rent. Like, or just disappear, or right? Just Imagine like, us, right? Like, where if, are you? If yeah. you're not going to pay rent, which I don't want, like I would, I want everything to run smoothly. Please communicate that to me. Like, please just let me know that you are struggling between rent and groceries, and I will 100% be understanding. Like, of course, go feed yourself. 
and we'll yeah. figure it out. Don't just, cause I'm, I've read tons of horror stories of, right. you know, tenants not paying and then trashing the place and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I do not want to be in that position. Yeah. No, I mean, that's totally fair. And I, and I, that's not why you signed up to, to rent a property, right? That, or that's not why you bought that to rent it out in the first place. But um, it just, that, that does happen with humans. But like you say, it's just, you know, giving off that good vibe and being genuine to them, you'd expect that you're going to get that reciprocity in return. And that's kind of, I think what makes the world function properly. Mm-hmm. And we just need more and more and more of that right now. Right. Um, yeah. As much as possible. Awesome, Liz. Well, I won't keep you for too much longer. Just last question. Is there anything that you learned recently that you think is important and worth sharing? Oh, I'm constantly learning. Good. Uh, let's see. What's important to keep sharing? I think I don't want to, I don't want to shame people into thinking, oh my God, I should have been doing this. But I think that the pandemic has been a really good opportunity for people to really learn about their finances and to, and to take it seriously. Like everyone has always known it's important to budget. It's important to live below your means. Like none of these concepts are revolutionary, but we've been kind of lucky that we didn't always have to apply that information because everything was good. We were like, oh, times were good. Times were good. Just keep doing what you're doing. It has now caught up and things are not good. So, you know, if we can learn anything from this pandemic is how important to have an emergency fund, how important it is to have multiple income streams, to have a side hustle if you have time and energy and, you know, the passion to do that. And all of the things that you've been told over and over again about finances, it's now the time to apply that. Prioritizing the future. Yeah. Like prioritize the future just a bit, just a tiny bit if you can. Yeah. That's, that's We're not going anymore. And I mean, no. it's, it's been a forced kind of these forced quarantines have forced people to stay home and save money. And I think a lot of people are realizing like, damn, I was really wasting money on some silly things. And I was living above my means and I shouldn't have been going on vacations every year because I couldn't afford it. So yeah, now right. we can all see that. And yeah, yeah, I've learned a few things along the way in the pandemic. And it's really just to kind of you know, live life to the fullest as you can, because you just never know when something yeah, like this can true. happen. And just to go with the flow. I have not, I've tried not to stress or worry because it's like, what's the point? We're in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Just go with it. Yeah. And it's, 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 I find it fascinating just how the last year has felt like a very, very long time, but mm-hmm. it's not it's like any other year. Like, you know, we will get through this. So it's important to keep your head above water like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's very useful advice. All right, Liz. Well, thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing how to monetize a brand like that. I do hope the listeners will get a ton of value out of it. And so where can people find you online? Yeah, I'm on all platforms under Ambitious Adulting. All right, Ambitious Adults. You go find Liz on Instagram, on Facebook. Her group is there for uh, to teach you how to, or the community is there on Facebook so that you can learn and get started and you'll find her at ambitiousadulting.com. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Liz. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. And that is it for episode 61, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and you can go find Liz anywhere online at Ambitious Adulting and don't be afraid to ask her any questions. She will point you in the right direction. She's got plenty of resources that you can go to too to check out. So um, you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public and at anchor.fm slash highly invested. If you got some value out of this episode, please share it with any friends or like-minded individuals to help spread the knowledge. 
And uh, if you could leave a review or rating, that always helps out my podcast a lot, and I really do appreciate it, and I love to know who's listening. So that is it for episode 61. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Stay highly invested in yourselves. Till next time.